Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. really looking forward to preaching in person, which I've not done uh, at Hope Gateway for a long, long time. But unfortunately, as Diane mentioned, Sarah and I have both been sick this week. COVID tests keep coming back negative, um, but we both have a a cough, an annoying cough that just persists. So whatever it is I have, uh, I decided it would be better if I did not share it with, with all of you. So in the spirit of true hybrid, Uh, Today, I am leveling the playing field for those of you who are on Zoom, and those of you who are gathered in person, I hope you'll be okay with the Sermon on the Wall this week. Today, we're continuing a worship series that Sarah kicked off last Sunday called, What Good is Faith? It's a great question. What good is faith? We've all been through a lot over these past two and a half years, and I sense a a collective sense of weariness, even among those of us who have a good deal of privilege. In March of 2020, everything came to a screeching halt, and we've been tested and tried in so many ways. And, And now as things begin to open up a little bit, we're all rightfully pausing to assess priorities, to to recalibrate, to think through our values and our commitments, and and to make thoughtful choices about where we re-engage and where we step back. This is this is all good. This is what we should be doing. But maybe in the midst of all of this, in the midst of the joy and the sorrow and the busyness of everyday life, maybe you find yourself wondering, what good is faith anyway? That's the question we're exploring in this series. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about awe and wonder and imagination. Many years ago, uh, Fred Rogers, maybe you remember him as Mr. Rogers, said this. He said, our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise than silence. And he said, I feel that we need a lot more wonder and a lot more silence in our lives. Seems to me if that was true when Mr. Rogers observed it, surely, surely, it is true today. So I want to share a story with you this morning from the early church. This is a reading from the book of Acts. Um, so Acts is the book that follows the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And I'm going to read from chapter 2. So this is pretty close to the beginning of Acts. And it's a story that takes place soon after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, immediately following the miracle of Pentecost, right at the birth of the Christian church. I'm reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, from a contemporary interpretation of the Bible called The Message. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. 
everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. I wonder, when was the last time you felt a sense of awe? When was the last time you were swept up in wonder? I grew up in the 80s when everything was awesome. That movie I just saw was awesome. That flavor of ice cream, awesome. The new game for my Atari 2600 was awesome. But awesome in the truest sense means something that inspires awe, right? It's a little more than just the flavor of ice cream. It's something that induces an overwhelming sense of wonder, of reverence. Now, this is the vocabulary of faith. The great spiritual writer, Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor says that awe or reverence begins with paying attention. And paying attention is a spiritual practice. So I'm going to show you a picture here of a moment of awe from the other day. This might not look like much to you. It's just a clay pot with a fall mum and kind of a misshapen one at that. But when I look at this, it evokes awe. This was a mum that we bought last year, a year ago. With winter approaching, it was clearly dead. It was brown. There was no life there. So I broke off all the stalks and moved it to our basement so we could save the pot for spring planting. But over the winter months, we noticed that there were some little green shoots that were poking through the earth. So we moved it back upstairs and put it on the floor near the glass doors to our patio. Every once in a while, we'd give it a little bit of water, and then we'd usually forget, and it would dry out completely. But despite our instant, uh, inconsistent care and frequent neglect, it continued to grow. So when spring arrived and then summer, I moved it outside to our patio and mostly forgot about it. But this week I noticed it's beginning to blossom. How does this plant know that it's time to produce flowers? How does it know? I mean, I know this is not one of the great mysteries of the earth. It doesn't rank up there with the awesome fact that a hummingbird can beat its wings more than 50 times per second or that right now, while we're in worship, millions of birds are migrating to warmer climates, and somehow they know these migration patterns instinctively. But for me, this magically reblossoming mum evokes a sense of awe. And I find myself feeling gratitude for this simple beauty. If we're paying attention, moments of awe, reasons to be swept up in wonder, are all around us. So I have this ongoing spiritual practice that is rooted in awe. Whenever I'm out and about, I use my cell phone to capture photos of ordinary beauty that cross my path. And then I post them to my Instagram account. This isn't about taking great photos. It's just a, a practice of paying attention. 
So you're seeing here some of the photos that I've taken. Look at all those colors of cucumbers. How is it that cucumbers can grow in that many colors? These are just some photos that I've taken. This is a, you know, some, some reflections in the water on the top of a granite wall. Look at the leaves reflecting in that little pool of water. Or how about the single rose in our backyard? The way the light shines through the trees on this path to our, our family camp. The beauty, the blue of water and the blue of sky on Castle Bay. Look at the texture of those ferns and the moss underneath them. This bee on one of the flowers in our backyard. There were, there were hundreds of them. So, again, you might like these photos and you might not, but that doesn't really matter to me because it's not about photography. It's about paying attention. It's about slowing down and staying open to moments of awe and wonder wherever they happen to arrive. This is essential for imagination to flourish, and God knows this is a moment when we des desperately need a flourishing imagination. Some of you know that I lead an organization called the BTS Center, the organizational successor to the former Bangor Theological Seminary. Our mission is to catalyze spiritual imagination with enduring wisdom for transformative faith leadership. So we think a lot about the power of imagination. Lately, we've been doing a lot with the work of Rob Hopkins, who is a British environmental activist and thought leader who's written this incredible book called From What Is to What If, Unleashing the Power of Imagination to Create the Future We Want. In this book, he writes this. Bringing about the world we want to live in, the world we want to leave to our children, is substantially the work of the imagination, or what educational reformer John Dewey describes as the ability to look at things as if they could be otherwise. As the writer and activist Naomi Klein put it, there are no non-radical options left before us. I believe imagination is the only thing we have that is or could be radical enough to get us through, that is, to get us through the challenges we face as a society today, especially the climate crisis, provided, she says, it is accompanied, of course, by bravery and by action. And Rob Hopkins says, we are living in a time of imaginative decline at the very time in history when we need to be at our most imaginative. I think this is really interesting, and there are reasons for this imaginative decline in our, in our world. The center of imagination in our brains is the hippocampus, which is a layer of densely packed neurons, which lives in two halves on both sides of the brain, and then joined at the top. And as I understand it, the hippocampus is especially vulnerable to cortisol, the stress hormone. So high levels of Cortisol destroys the cells of the hippocampus, causing it to shrink. Psychologists are telling us that because of the stresses associated with a global pandemic, because we live in a violent society where gun violence is happening all around us, because we spend 
way too much time on our screens because we carry rising dread about the climate crisis. And you can insert whatever stressful situation you feel because we go, go, go and too rarely slow down. As a result of all of this, stress is rampant. More children are being diagnosed with clinical anxiety, adults too, of course, than ever before. Our brains are being flooded with cortisol, which means that our ability to imagine is seriously compromised. So I believe this is a moment when we need more awe, a moment when we need more wonder, and we need to nurture the conditions that allow imagination to flourish. There's actually quite a bit of research about this, and it's good news for the church because it turns out that faith and faith communities provide the very building blocks that we need in this moment. Again, this is from the work of Rob Hopkins, who, by the way, is not thinking about the church, but I am thinking about the church. The first building block is space. Too often our lives are busy and stressful, and fear and anxiety are swirling all around us. There's nothing like busyness, stress, fear, and anxiety to inhibit our capacity to imagine. At our best, practicing our faith, gathering with our faith community on Sunday mornings, the beginning of each week, offers this regular rhythm of slowing down, of taking space, of opening our hearts and our minds. Rob Hopkins says, space is like the soil of imagination. The more we cultivate the soil, the better imagination grows. So the first building block is space. The second building block is place. That is, we need gathering places that provide platforms for collective imagining. If you think about it, there are fewer and fewer places in our society where people gather just to enjoy one another, to collaborate with each other without having to buy anything, without having to pay anything. Places that are just designed for connection, for creativity, for encounter. Places that are welcoming and inviting to all kinds of people, and especially places where people gather across generational lines and where they where people gather with others who are very different from them. There are very few places like this in our society, but the church is one of those. The best places places that create the conditions for imagination to flourish, are places where you leave with your sense of what the future could be having changed, even just a little bit. So this is what it means to practice faith within community, to be this kind of place where imagination grows. And the third building block is practices. The things we do together that take us out of our rational thinking minds into a a different brain space opening up to a greater sense of what's possible. So many of the practices that we embrace within the faith community fit this bill, whether it's singing together or or prayer or rituals like communion or serving others. These are practices, and they lead us to awe and wonder. They nurture a sense of connection to the divine, to something that is bigger than ourselves. They cultivate mental and emotional space. And there's even scientific data to show that spiritual practices like this rewire and heal the brain. So what good is faith? Faith opens us to wonder and awe. 
It reorients us. It reminds us of what is good and true and beautiful. And it leads us ever more deeply into gratitude. Faith draws us into community with one another because we cannot sustain any of this on our own. Here in community, as we rejoin week after week, we encounter space. We find a place for connection and collaboration. We embrace spiritual practices, all of which allow us to allow imagination to blossom. I don't know about you, but I need these things in my life maybe more now than ever before. So back to the scripture passage from Acts for just a minute before I close. In that story, the people gathered. They committed themselves to one another. They ate together regularly. They prayed with one another. They worshiped together. They shared what they had so that no one had too much and everyone's needs were met. There is a a beautiful simplicity in this story that really inspires me. They were filled with awe and wonder to see all that God was doing in their midst. They leaned into their faith and they imagined that the world could be different. And God added to their number. Maybe we we read this and we think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. This is now. Things are different. But I don't know. It seems like much about the church at least the institutional church, is crumbling away. The pandemic has laid everything bare. We are reassessing priorities and commitments. Maybe it's time to take our cues not from the church of 1950 and not from the church of 1982 and not even from the church of 2019, but from the earliest church, committing ourselves to one another worshiping together, sharing what we have with one another, opening ourselves to awe and wonder, (coughs) trusting that God is right here with us, present with us, gifting us with new vision. Maybe this is a moment when what God is calling us to do is to lean into our faith and imagine that the world could be different and that we and be part of the transformation. Let's do that. And if we do, I cannot wait to see what is on the horizon. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.